Good morning. This is the Tomorrow Christian on Remembrance Day, reading Numbers 19 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Therefore, today is a day of the commemoration of people who gave their lives for our country, Canada. And also, there are people in other countries who have given their lives in the United States. I don't know about the other countries, Lord, but there are other people who have given their lives for the preservation of the country under you. And I thank you, Lord, for those men, because those men gave their lives that we might have the freedom to worship you. Help us not to forget their sacrifice and to be tough and strong like them, just as your son gave his life to save us from the devil. And your apostles and prophets gave their lives in defense of your name and because truth demands sacrifice. And sacrifice is the way to you, Lord. We want to live, but in this world there will be turbulence, hiccups, and possibly persecution. It says, all who would live godly in you will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. We want to live a good life, but we know with you that that is but a brief time in this world. For the world that comes, there will never be tears or persecution. Help us now as we read your word to discern it, to take a little time to remember <clears throat> the sacrifice and to fit ourselves, retrofit us through the Holy Spirit for the kingdom of God. We pray in the name of Christ our King. Amen. Today's Remembrance Day in Canada. In church yesterday, we uh, we talked about Flanders Fields, which apparently uh, was written by a Canadian. I thought I'd like to read it. Um, so even though it was written by a Canadian, it's for all nations who want to remember the patriots who died to give us freedom, to protect us, Lord, to protect us from the forces of evil and the forces that would control us while the Lord Jesus gave us freedom. Let's read. In Flanders Fields by John McRae. In Flanders Fields the poppies blow between the crosses row on row that mark our place and in the sky the larks still bravely singing fly. Scarce heard amid the guns below. We are the dead. Short days ago we lived, felt dawn, saw sunset glow, loved and were loved and now we lie in Flanders Fields. Take up our quarrel with the foe. To you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high. If ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep through poppies grow in Flanders fields. And as Christians, we take up the torch of those who died and we stand in defense of our Father and our Savior, King Jesus. We don't stand arrogantly, we don't condemn people, we don't weaponize the Bible but we use the Bible and speak the words of life in love to those who might want to hear. God says, come out of her, come out of Egypt, come out of spiritual Babylon, my people. That's what it says in Revelation 18:4, And that is what the Savior said to me so long ago when I was in bondage. I would also like to read uh, the third stanza, or maybe it's the fourth stanza, um, in church, in church, we uh, sung this stanza from O Canada. And I'll just say it. I won't sing it. Because <laughs> if I sing it, you'll pray for me to stop. So I could sing, I guess I could sing the first stanza. I, I, I'll say the first stanza of O Canada. O Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love in all thy sons command. With glowing hearts we see thee rise, the true north strong and free. From far and wide, O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. 
God, keep our land glorious and free. O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. Now I will go down to the fourth stanza. Ruler supreme, who hearest humble prayer, hold our dominion within thy loving care. Help us to find, O God, in thee a lasting rich reward. As waiting for the better day, we ever stand on guard. God, keep our land glorious and free. O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. O Canada, we stand on guard for thee. My friends, those of you who are not believers or of, a, of another faith, we don't use this to weaponize Jesus. We don't want religion, we want relationship. And that's what this represents. I know there are people inside the Christian church, and I've been one of them, who want religion, but I don't want that anymore. I want relationship, a connection with God, and, and helping and promoting other human beings who are also sons and daughters of God. Why don't we read Numbers 19 now? The water of purification. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, here is another legal requirement commanded by the Lord. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer, a perfect animal that has no defects and has never been yoked to a plow. Give it to Eleazar the priest and will be taken outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. Jesus was, Jesus was uh, slaughtered outside Jerusalem. And it does say in Revelation that the holy city comes down and then there's some camp of the saints. So I really don't know what that means. Why, why are they outside the New Jerusalem? Are they going into the New Jerusalem? Where were the saints before? Where are they camping out? Are they on earth? This is during the thousand years and the New Jerusalem. If, if, if we read it just sequentially, it seems to come down in Revelation 20 after the thousand years. But that's my hermeneutic. That's my opinion. That's my interpretation of the scriptures. It may not be yours. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Verse 4, Eliezer will take some of its blood on his finger and sprinkle it seven times toward the front of the tabernacle. As Eliezer watches, the heifer must be burned, its hide, meat, blood, and dung. Eli Eliezer the priest, I've been saying Eliezer, Eliezer the priest must then take a stick of cedar, a hyssop branch, and some scarlet yarn and throw them into the fire where the heifer is burning. Like a hyssop branch is what, what they had it was like the branch of the reed that they had this, I don't know, this drink, uh, this, not a drink, sorry, it's not a drink. Maybe it was alcohol, maybe it was something to clean people. You know, I heard that it was something to clean people. And I don't mean just like externally, I mean like clean them. Like, you know, if you, if, if the guy, you know, all of a sudden lost control of himself while he's on the cross, it was to clean the person or something. And that was what was in there. And Jesus said, I thirst. And then they gave it to him and put it around his mouth and he spit it out, either because he didn't want to have the deadening effect of whatever was in there, wine or alcohol. He wanted to feel the pain head on, full head on. But I heard that it wasn't just to give them a drink because some of them would be um, thirsting, right? They would be losing blood. So they would be losing ions, they'd be losing fluid and they would be thirsty. Um, right, they were dehydrated, but I also heard that was a stick to clean them. And that's the one that Jesus was, they held up to Jesus. And he said, I thirst, but he spit it out. But it was on a hyssop branch. And that was the same branch that was used when the Passover happened in Israel. Um, it was like, that's what they sprinkled the blood on. So God said to Moses, tell them, tell the Jewish people, <clears throat> the Israelites to put the blood over the door, doorpost. 
And when the angel of death passes, uh, sees that, he will pass over. Just like Jesus is our Passover lamb. And when God passes over us because of the wrath of sin against sin, having Jesus as your Savior, God will pass over you. You are not, you're not condemned. You're not under judgment. So there's a lot here. I mean, look at all this, you know. Remember, remember the Old Testament, as, I, as my pastor just said yesterday, he was, he was at his best yesterday. He was talking about Ephesians 5, 1 to 21. And he was saying, you know, this is the Bible, the Old Testament. This is what Jesus had to read from before Paul was writing the New Testament. This was the Old Testament. This is, this is the Old Covenant, but this is the Old Contract. But this is like Jesus is reading from this because he's saying that the New Covenant is the Old Te Te Testament revealed. Right? The whole God's plan is to destroy sin, Genesis 3.15. And the thing is that he will bring the Gentiles who are far off, he'll bring them close. And also also the, 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 the Jewish people, uh, they were, we were all supposed to be one family in Christ our Lord. It didn't happen that way, as you can see, but um, because Christianity, sadly, is primarily a, Gentile, primarily a Gentile religion, but it was never meant to be. You know, I used to think those Judaizers in the Bible were like, oh, they're wrong for telling the Gentiles uh, to have to worry about the Sabbath and the law. And you know what? They certainly, uh, in Acts 15, Acts 21, they write a letter to Jerusalem and they say, uh, you don't have to worry about all of that. You know, James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, says, just don't be immoral. Uh, you know, don't be immoral. Uh, don't, um, you know, don't eat things strangled, with, um, strangled right? Uh, don't, dr don't drink blood. And uh, I think there was something else and he said and you will do well but maybe if there were some jews who also uh, recognized okay jesus is the messiah but they still adhere to the laws um maybe they were i think personally this is my hermeneutic everybody was supposed to coexist even to agree to disagree but somehow it didn't happen and by 160 a.d i remember reading most of the jewish believers had dropped out which is kind of sad i don't think god wanted that although he knew it was going to happen Wow, that's quite a lot of mileage out of that. Um, then someone who is ceremonial clean, verse 9, will gather up the ashes of the heifer and deposit them in a purified place outside the camp. They will be kept there for the community of Israel to use in the water for the purification ceremony. So this, this heifer, this, I think this is an animal. This is like a cow. Is this a heifer? Is this a cow or is this a bull? So, but this is like purification. Again, Jesus' death purifies us. This ceremony is performed for the removal of sin. The man who gathers up the ashes of the heifer must also wash his clothes and he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. This is a permanent law for the people of Israel and any foreigners who live among them. So again, it's like permanent. Does that mean to the vanishing point? Does that mean forever? Right? I mean, the Jewish people today, the ones that, who are religious, they're not doing any of this, are they? I mean, I heard they want to build a third temple. I don't know why you'd want to build a third temple. But I hear they want to build a third temple and they want to start up all this again. Like, what for? I've even heard uh, people say about Ezekiel 40 to 48. This is like some third temple where in Jerusalem it would start up and, you know, um, they'd start doing sacrifices again. Even Christians possibly? Like, why? What for? I thought we, I thought we cleared that off the docket when Jesus died. So I don't really understand everything. Again, I'm not a theologian. I don't need to be. Uh, these are just my opinions, and I'm just reading the scriptures. But as I read them, I think about the things I've heard. And you're allowed to as well. All those who touch a dead human body will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. They must purify themselves. 
on the third and seventh days with the water of purification, they'll be purified. Wow, seven days, third, third days. Isn't this interesting, third and seven? I mean, there's so many stuff going on with three days and seven days in the Bible. Three and seven, you know, all the different numbers like five, seven, three, seven, 48, nine, 10, like all, it's a lot of numbers in the Bible, you know, 13, like unlucky 13, I don't know, 14. I live in a place with the address is 14 because, you know, 14, you know, 14, 14 and 14 times time and half a time, 42, you know. So there's a lot of number. There's always a significance of a number, but it's just interesting. This is three and seven. But if they do not, if they do not do this on the third and seventh days, they will continue to be unclean even after the seventh day. Wow. All those who touch a dead body and do not purify themselves in the proper way defile the Lord's tabernacle, and they will be cut off from the community of Israel since the water of purification was not sprinkled on them. Their defilement continues. I mean, Jesus touched a dead body, right? Like, I don't know if he touched Lazarus, but what about the window of Nain? What about her, what about her son? Did Jesus touch him or did he say just like, get up off there? So it's like, why is, why is Jesus, the son of God, you know, hanging out with dead people and raising up dead people? And I remember a guy uh, in a video, a Christian video, he said, you know, the enemies of Jesus did not ever deny that he raised dead people. They did not deny this. What they, what they said was Jesus did it through the power of the devil. So they're not really buying the fact that Jesus is working for God. They think he's working for the devil, but they saw something happen. And, and when your enemies don't deny what you did, they just sort of attribute it to the devil. You got to wonder, okay, what, what was that real event? That, was that event real that happened that's been written about Jesus raising people from the dead? You know, but it may, might make you wonder, okay, maybe Jesus is working. He's a wizard or something. I'm sure Jesus got, oh, he's a wizard. He's a necromancer. He's, he's talking to the dead. He's raising dead people. And I even thought I read in the Bible, they wanted to kill Lazarus. Like, why? Is Lazarus a testament to Jesus? Or do they think, oh, it's, he's probably a zombie. He's a, he's, he's a zombie. He's possessed by evil spirits. We got to get rid of this guy. He's not really alive. The Lazarus that we knew died. And this guy walking around with Lazarus's body, it's not really Lazarus. It's, a, it's, a, it's an evil demon just talk using his voice and stuff like that. I, I'm sure those dudes would have said that. Might I have said that if I was, I probably would have, yes. If, if I wasn't really buying or believing that Jesus is who he says he is, yeah, because Jesus seems to be bucking against all the things they were taught. But most of the things that they were teaching people were not from God. They were from their own little, you know, theological standpoint. You know, they had their own theology going. They had their own different commentaries about commentaries and commentaries. They weren't really following God. Like, why, 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 do people, why do people base all their Christianity on a bunch of opinions from other people, well-meaning or not? Why do, they, why do people, you know, quote, say, the Mishnah or the Talmud more than they quote the Torah? So, again, that's just me wondering aloud. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. I mean, anything that I say, you take it with a grain of salt. I'm not Jesus. Remember, you're focusing on Jesus. If Jesus is not the center of your thoughts, the center of your life, then it's somebody else. It's either you or somebody else's opinion. All those who touch a dead body do not purify themselves in the proper way, defile the Lord's tabernacle, and they will be cut off from the community of Israel. Since the water of purification was not sprinkled on them, their defilement continues. You know what I mean? Touch a dead body, I mean, Satan is kind of dead. He's trying to touch everybody's mind. 
He's defiling. Satan is trying to defile people because he's trying to possess people with his deadness and his dead ideas and his ideas of self. I guess I could read this statement, verse 13, and I could sort of attribute a spiritual hermeneutic, a spiritual interpretation. But like I say, I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I tell you. Verse 14, this is the ritual law that applies when someone dies inside a tent. All those who enter that tent and those who were inside when the death occurred will be ceremonially unclean for seven days. That's funny because it's like Peter says, I'm in a tent, right? He, he says the human body is like a tent. And he says, the tent is going to roll up so soon. Like, I, I'm in a tent right now. This is a, this is a tent. It's a, it's a temporal dwelling for my soul, for my mind. If the Lord, if I should die before the Lord comes, my tent is going to get rolled up and I'm going to go be with the Lord. But I don't, I personally do not think I am conscious, but it doesn't really matter what I think. The Bible says you go to be with the Lord in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it says the dead know nothing. There's no device or anything in the grave where you go. That's in Ecclesiastes 9 verse, I forgot. It's in there. So take those two new covenant and old covenant and reconcile them in your head according to the way that your conscience and the holy spirit tells you to do it any old container in that tent that was not covered with lid is also defiled and if someone in an open field touches the corpse of someone who was killed with a sword or who died a natural death or if someone touches a human bone or a grave that person will be defiled for seven days like why like, I guess it's, I don't know, maybe God doesn't want them to go uh, to touch any other theology. Like, I, I, I'm not really sure about some of these things, but it's, I mean, is it just respect for the dead? Is it, is God trying to teach them something? Like, I, I, hey, I don't go around, hey, let's go touch some dead people. You know, I remember I had, my grandfather died in 1976. I was like 12 or, what was I, 7, 12, 11, something like that. You know, that was my bar mitzvah. My grandfather died. You know, he, he went to the doctor on Friday, on Friday, okay? And he had told my grandmother the day before, uh, I think he said, I, I feel stiff, one side of my, and, and he called her from, from the office and she says, you come home right away, you go to the doctor, Dr. Kirsch. So he goes to the doctor and the story is, is that he goes into the office and he says, I have a terrible blinding headache and Dr. Kirsch goes into another room and gets an aspirin or something and then he comes back into my grandfather collapses in that hot in that very office so I'm at home you know dumb dumb me and my mom is home it's a Friday Friday okay so my grandfather is dying on Friday my mother also uh, died my mother died on Friday uh, was born on Friday and was buried on a Friday actually my mother's birthday is today she would have been um my mother died when she was in 2009 when she was 72 she would have been 86 years old today's my mother's birthday and my dad i told my dad we will see her again in first thessalonians 4. today's my mom's birthday and today's also remembrance day isn't this so weird and i'm telling you the story of my grandfather who was also dying on friday so he has a massive stroke they take him to the hospital my mother gets a call soon as she gets the, it's a call you never want you know i i looked at my mom and her face just crumpled and it's like okay okay i'll be right there and i just flew into the bathroom and i just saw her just batting at the tissue you know tissue roll because she's crying right and it's like what what happened what happened what happened your grandfather collapsed i was like what what so uh i went to stay with the other grandfather then the next day it was a saturday it was a quote the sabbath for me 
And then I get a call and it's my mother and she says, your grandfather passed away. Let me talk to your grandfather, like my grandfather, Wilson. And he look, he, you know, he's, he's on the phone and he's, you know, he's upset, right? And he's, he was older than my, uh, than, than my mother's uh, father, but he was a strong man. You know, he's Jamaican, strong, right? And so, uh, my grandfather died on, on Saturday. He was dead on Saturday. Uh, so I think he was dying on Friday, but he actually died on Saturday. And I remember, so we go to the funeral and he's in the casket and I touched his face. I touched his hand and his face. I couldn't believe it. That's, that's what I'm saying. I touched a dead body. You know, I mean, they say that, you know, there's no blood in him. You know, they took the blood, blood out. And I'm looking at his face and I'm looking and he doesn't move like not at all. And he doesn't, he doesn't move at all. Like I was freaking out. And it was so weird. It was so, and then we took him to this gardens in Etobicoke and my grandmother collapsed and they had to take her back in to the car because she just couldn't stand outside and just watch this, right? She was, she was out of her mind, you know, she was out of her mind. All marriages come to an end either with death in the old days or now death or divorce now divorce it's de divorce these days and yeah, boy it was just weird but i did touch his hand and it was cold it was very cold that's the devil that's that's what the devil's the devil has the power of death he's trying to death us all he's trying to separate us from god our father with all the fighting and the arguing as Pastor Don said last night, he says, you know, the devil is an enemy we cannot see. So it's very easy for the devil to make enemies of, of who we can see. And you know who it's who we can see? Other human beings who are believers or non-believers. The devil has made an enemy through religion of people who should really be friends. My former church has many wonderful people in there, but they will not let go of a dead prophet. They won't let go of a dead prophet. And they want to worship. And you can worship Jesus on any day. But why would you want to worship Jesus on the day that he was dead in the grave? I don't get it. Okay, that, that'd be like a remembrance. Okay? And that's why that church is so somber. And I all, I'm all for reverence, but they're so somber. They're so sober. They're almost sad. And... You know, when I go to church on Sunday, I want to be reverent to God. I do. I do think reverence and sancti being sanctified. I, I, do, I do think that that's true. But there's also a spirit of celebration because we are in church on the day or the commemoration of the day Jesus rose. Yes, I'm remembering Jesus, but not as a dead person, but as a living Savior. So church is a remembrance of a living Savior. And I would rather worship on a day. Um, I would rather have that as my, as my corporate fellowship day, worshiping our Savior when he's alive, out of the grave. He proved that he has the power over death. And he gives it to those who believe. The devil has the power of death, but not over death. The devil is a defeated foe, and he's going to die in Revelation 20, 10 to 12 and all the people who want to go with him. And I don't. I want to live. 
I don't want to be cold forever. I want to live. Verse 17, to remove the defilement, put some of the ashes from the burnt purification offering in a jar and pour fresh water over them. Then someone who is ceremonially clean must take a hyssop branch and dip it into the water. Wow, just like what happened on Jesus on the cross and he says, I thirst. That person must sprinkle the water on the tent or on the furnishings in the tent and on the people who were in the tent, also on the person who touched a human bone or touched someone who was killed or who died naturally or touched a grave. You know, they take the, the, the hyssop and the reed and they give it to Jesus. You know, he spits it out. And when I read this, you know what I'm thinking? He spit out death. Jesus spit on death because it was the same kind of water. It was maybe it was defiled water. It was deathly water. Right? This water in the Old Testament here is supposed to purify somebody from um, a touching death. Well, Jesus spit out defiled water. Life spit out death. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we may have, we might be made the righteousness of Christ of God in Christ. Oh my God, what a message. It's a message the world needs to hear and they've heard it so many times they've forgotten it. This world is tracking on death, but our savior is tracking on life. He spit out death, my friends. I don't know if he did or not, but man, I like this hermeneutic. <laughs> If I got, if this hermeneutic is good, praise God. And if it's stupid, you can blame me. Our Savior spit out death. He took that hyssop reed and he, he spit on the devil's grave. The devil is a defeated foe. Jesus is your Savior. Welcome to life. Welcome to the, welcome to the banquet supper of the Lamb. On the third and seventh days, the person who is ceremonially clean must sprinkle the water on those who are defiled. Then on the seventh day, the people being cleansed must wash their clothes and bathe themselves. And that evening, they will be cleansed of their defilement. Jesus was dead on Saturday that he might be alive on Sunday. The first day of the new creation week started with Jesus. The first day of the new creation was the day after the death. That was the beginning of our salvation. And we are now in the new creation universe. Our minds are, our bodies will follow in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. But those who become defiled and do not purify themselves will be cut off from the community for they have defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. Since the water of purification has not been sprinkled on them, they remain defiled. This is a permanent law for the people. Those who sprinkle the water of purification must afterward wash their clothes. And anyone who then touches the water used for purification will remain defiled until evening. Anything and anyone that a defiled person touches will be ceremonially unclean until evening. Come out of the church of the dead P prophet lady. Come out of the church of the dead prophet man because they're going to defile you. Their teachings will defile your mind. Don't let that happen. Come out of that church, my people. Revelation 18, 4 says, the Lord our God, says Jesus Christ himself in Revelation. He says, come out. Don't let their teachings defile your mind. Purify yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ who, died, who loved you and died for you. Baptism, you were born, you were, you died on the cross with Christ, you were buried with Christ, and you have risen to new life with Christ. Praise the Lord, glory to God in the highest. 
and peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Come out of a church that has some human being being exalted, speaking for God. They are not. They are blocking you. They are blocking Jesus from connecting with you full head on. Don't let that happen. Jesus wants to connect with you personally in your heart and mind and soul. My brother made a decision to bury my mother in the wedding dress that she wore at his wedding and mine. And I can't really tell you the state of that dress, although my imagination says it's probably not looking good right now. But my mother will be raised to life in the wedding garment of the Lamb, a perfect wedding dress at the marriage supper of the Lamb. By God's grace, I plan to be there. And maybe if God would like to let me be there too, I'll see you there and I'll see her too. God bless you all.